Over the last seven years, I have tried every kind of marketing you can possibly imagine for my business. And I have determined over that time that direct mail has been by far the most profitable marketing channel I have ever tried. And I've spent over a million dollars just testing it out figuring out what works and figuring out what doesn't. And through that time, I've been able to generate over 100 deals per year in my business using direct mail. And now I've created a very small but very powerful mini course on how I utilize direct mail in my business. It explains everything I do from A to Z, and I've made this available to you absolutely free. That's right, no charge, no obligations, just go to my website, mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail, mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail to find out how you can implement my system in your business and start generating more leads through direct mail. Go check it out. It's absolutely free. I can't wait for you to try it. There's a few sites like AirDNA mm-hmm. that give you quotes on what it could earn as a short-term rental, and we're basing it off of that. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right. Thank you for joining me on the show today. I appreciate it. I've got a great guest for you, Ziana McIntyre. She is the midterm rental expert. And uh, she recently wrote a book called The 30-Day Stay, The Investor's Guide to Mastering the Medium-Term Rental. She's an avid real estate investor. She owns double dig- a double-digit portfolio of short-term and medium-term rentals. Uh, she has been an Airbnb host since 2012. Uh, she has a podcast called Invest Two Phi, that's the number two. Uh, and she's also been featured on Bigger Pockets, uh, and a bu- NPR, a bunch of other places, Business Insider. She's an absolute rock star. I was super excited to have her on. I wanted to get into this medium term rental world and find out what it's all about and how much money is to be made there and if it's a good uh, option for some people. And I think it really is. We had a great time. Uh, there was a lot of uh, great back and forth. And she shared everything, right? She was super open. So guys, get ready. This is a really fun one. I give you Ziana McIntyre. All right, Ziana, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate you uh, joining us here on Just Start Real Estate. Thank you so much, Mike. I'm Absolutely. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited uh, as a guy who, you know, the short-term rental thing is is the darling of the real estate industry. It seems like everyone wants to do it. Uh, and it, some people love it. It doesn't work for everyone. They, they have struggles. And I, I just know a lot of people who are doing it differently. And you're you're not doing the, the short-term rental thing, or at least that's not what we're focusing on right now. And I just want to get into that because I think people think that there's two options, long-term, short-term, and that's the end of it, right? End of story. Yeah. But there is something else that can be a really, really great option for a lot of people. And I know you just wrote a book about it. Uh, It's called 30 Day Stay. And we're going to get into that a little bit too. But uh, before we do, maybe just break down just a little bit. We did the bio, but I want to make sure that in your own words, you get out there who you are and what you kind of stand for. Oh, thanks. Well, I'm a real estate consultant and an agent. So I've been an investor for 10 years. And I just love helping people get into furnished rentals because I think whether it's short or medium, um, they're really just a boost for cash flow for people. Yeah. So yeah, my whole goal is just trying to get as many people financially independent as possible. Love it. How long have you been doing this? Is this something you've been at for decades or... Yeah. Um, 
I started on Airbnb in 2012, really oh, early wow. days for that. And yep. so I kind of feel like I'm at the early kind of ramp up for the medium term space as well. Totally. So I'm really excited about that now. Okay. So let's just dive right in. Everyone, well, maybe not everyone, but short-term rentals, Airbnb, VRBO, uh, it's people staying for two you know, two to four nights or one to four nights or whatever. Short-term, um, people yeah. kind of understand what that is, I think, at this point. I think COVID really blew up the short-term thing. It was definitely existed before that, but I think that's what sort of thrust it into the spotlight. Um, so what exactly is, how do you, would you define a medium-term rental? Yeah. So just like the book says, anything over 30 days. Um, so often the typical stay is 90 days because that's what traveling nurses, they have assignments for 13 weeks. Okay. Um, but yeah, we see anything from a month to many months, even sometimes people stay a year. Really? Okay. And so would a, would a long-term rental be anything more than a year then if, if short-term is anything more than a month or how, how would you sort of slice that up? Yeah. So a long-term is unfurnished. That's the biggest oh, thing. Okay, um, okay. But a long-term is also usually by the year and yeah. ours is more by the month. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So what are, if, if a short-term rental and people sort of understand that someone's renting the house for a, a night or two or three or four or whatever, long weekend, maybe a week or even a couple of weeks, why, what's the advantage of a, of a medium-term rental? Why would anyone even bother with that model if the short-term model exists and there's a lot of money to be made there? Well, the number one reason is because of the regulations. So as of like, gosh, 2017, they just started cracking down all over. And at first it was all the big cities and then it started getting into the smaller cities. And now it's some very small little hamlets around and vacation rental markets are no longer vacation rental markets. So yeah, it's just a little bit of a uncomfortable space if you're doing all your numbers hoping it's going to be a short-term rental and then it can't be. Gotcha. Okay, that makes total sense. And so the regulations yeah. typically only are enforced at the 30 days or less mark. Is that accurate? Yes. Okay. Perfect gray area for us because we yeah. are seeing like long-term rentals. Okay. So here would be one question I would have. And and I'll just like as a person, I've talked about this on the show. I'm starting to get into the short term short term rental game uh, with my daughter. She approached me and mm -hmm. wanted to do it. And I said, let's do it together, It'd be fun. So we're getting oh, into that's that. Awesome. So what would be what would you say, all things being equal, you have a house, uh, you you rent it as a short-term rental, and let's just say for the sake of argument, uh, it cash flows like top-level revenue, it cash flows, let's just say $5,000, just for the yeah. sake of argument. You take that exact same house in the exact same location, all things being equal, and you make it a midterm rental or a, you know, a middle, uh, yeah, midterm. What would you expect that house to cash flow all things being equal. What are the differences in, in those economics? Yeah. So we used to say that there was market rate and then short term was twice market rate and midterm was like one and a half times. But now I'm learning that if you do the work of connecting with people that are in the medical placement agencies or insurance companies, you can actually make the same amount as a short term rental, which kind of explodes the whole thing because short term rentals are a lot more work and turnover regulation, taxes. There's just a lot of things that are headaches in it. Yeah. And so if you can figure out the way to make the same amount with the midterm, it's like, whoa. Okay. So the economics can be the same, but you have yep. to have, is it like, would you classify it as you need relationships with these entities or you just have to understand where to tap into them? You know what I mean? So, is one like, yeah. like Airbnb, you just have to tap into it. You don't have to have a relationship with Airbnb, but how does that work in the midterm world? 
Yeah. So if you just list, like you can still list 30 days or more on Airbnb. So I do that oh. for some properties. And then there's another site called Furnish Finder, which is kind mm-hmm. of known as the discount site for medical professionals. But now it's exploded to becoming, there's a lot of students and traveling families and different people on that website. And that works as well. And between those two sites, I had been fully occupied, didn't have a care in the world. And then I learned that actually, if you're doing these uh, contracts is what they're called with insurance and medical placement agencies, you can make so much more. And so it just depends on where do you stand in like the the laziness, you know, spectrum. Yeah. Are you wanting to make the effort <laughs> or not make the effort? And so, you know, if you make the effort, you're going to make more money. And if all your properties are in one area then it might not be that much of an effort. Yeah. My properties are spread a- across four states. And so okay. we have to kind of network with the different agencies in the different places. Okay. So is the insurance side or that ins- the insurance relationship, is that sort of the X factor or the extra thing that requires a little bit more time and energy to get into? A little bit. So you can utilize Furnish Finder. And when you talk to the different people that you're going to place or, you know, guests, potential guests, you can basically just say, hey, who is your recruiter? And then get information through them. But the thing is, is that these recruiters may not be placing all the time. And so Mm -hmm. you kind of need to have a relationship where they remember you. Ah, Right. So what I have is I have a CRM because I'm a, I'm an agent. So it's just like a client management system. Mm -hmm. And so I can put them in there and just say, Hey, let's send them a message every, you know, month or, you know, happy holidays and different things so that they know about us. Gotcha. So you can kind of maintain relationships in a hands-off way as well. I see. All right. So when it comes to, and I've heard of people doing this recently, they they actually stumbled upon it because the insurance company reached out to them kind of blindly. They weren't looking for it and said, hey, we have this family and, you know, whatever, their, their house burned down and they need this, they need to stay. And yeah. they were shocked at how much they could get. How do you know... How, I guess with when it comes to like Airbnb, and I don't know about Furnish Finder, but with, with Airbnb, you set your rate. You just say what it is and people can pay it or not, right? When yeah. it comes to the insurance agencies, how do you establish what you want? And then like for the average person, let's just say the going rent is $1,500, but you know, through Airbnb, you could make 3000 or whatever, you know, your two times model. How yeah. do you, with a straight face, tell the the insurance company you want three thousand when the going rate can easily be determined as fifteen hundred? You know what I mean? Yep, I think it just depends on the questions you're asking. So you can ask them, "Hey, what's the budget for this?" They may or may not tell you. You can say, "You know, where's the family currently? Are they at a hotel? How many rooms do they have at that hotel? What's the nightly rate at that hotel?" You yeah. know, and then you can kind of do some math based on that. But we usually go to the short term rental. Um, there's a few sites like AirDNA mm-hmm. that give you quotes on what it could earn as a short-term rental. And we're basing it off of that. Okay. So you're just telling them if they won't tell you what the budget is, I would assume at some point they ask you what your rates are and you just give them the, uh, the Airbnb kind of short-term rental rates. Yeah. Huh. And you know, the thing that I love about this industry is that it only takes one person to say yes. And so if you're there negotiating a contract, like we just got one for 5,500 for a house that we have. And our our expenses on the house are close to 3,500. So we're feeling pretty excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I said to my assistant is like, okay, cool. We, we're 5,500 this time. If somebody else comes by and asks for a contract, let's try 57 and see if they bat an eye. 
Yeah. You know, because yeah. they told us, oh, that's pretty normal. That's what we usually pay. But like, I don't know if that's true. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to try. I know. And then they can tell you it's too much. You know, whatever. Isn't that funny? When you get a yes on a negotiation, you immediately go, I wonder if I was too low. I wonder if I could go any higher than that next time. But it's smart. I mean, that's just economics. Yeah. Um. So the it sounds to me like one of the big advantages is the turnover and the cleaning and the communication with a short-term rental person can be, you know, it can be a lot of work. What yeah. do you, what, what if any are the, would be the downsides, even if they're small, like what, what are the, what are the reasons of someone had a gun to your head and said, I need the downside of these midterm rentals? What would you tell them? What, what could you say? Sure. Well, I think like when I started Airbnb, it was new. And so I watched Airbnb get or short-term rentals get like all the cool automations. They just didn't exist when I started. And so now with medium term, it's like, oh, those don't exist yet. And they're starting to happen. Some of them we can lend from the short-term rental industry. They're not perfect fits for us, but it helps. And so one of the things that's still a little bit clunky is like, if you're doing um, something from Furnish Finder, it's not booking it like Airbnb does. They reach out to you, you go back and forth. Mm. So you have to come up with your lease. We use a website that's free that just gives you a lease for your state. And so you just plug it in and you can e-sign and it's not that complicated. Yeah. But there's just a little bit more tenant screening, you know? So I think it might get to the point where people are pre-screened and the leases are all in there and it's just like quick and easy. So I think even in what the last six months, we started having these more automated leases and that's been so so much better than what we had before. How much so different, it just like keeps changing. Yeah. How much different is the lease for a midterm than a long-term? Do you just take a long-term lease and just like modify some of the wording or is there are there leases that are really more geared toward midterm? So we used to do that. We were just modifying it because of us being on the free version of this platform, mm-hmm. Avail. We don't have the ability to modify. So if you want to pay, I think it's cheap. I think it's $5 a month or $5 per property or something. I just don't like paying for things that I don't have to pay for. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so if you do the paid version, you can modify all your leases. We just go with whatever they have that's standard. Gotcha. And my reasoning behind that is like people... If they're a good standing citizen, a lease is going to work, mm-hmm. but you're never taking that lease to court. It's yeah. just not going to happen. Yeah. If it's a small claim, it's it's not about the lease anyway, you know? So mm-hmm. I think like it doesn't really matter what it says. I mean, to an extent, but gotcha. Yeah, what, it's not really helping you. No. Yeah, exactly. So in general, maybe this is a not possible. Maybe this is an unanswerable question. You can tell me in general, yeah. would you rather have a six month nurse traveling nurse client or a six month insurance client? Is there one that you feel like at the end of the six months, you're going to have less problems with the house? I feel like the insurance client. And I think because they're more grateful. Um, I mean, the nurses are great. I don't, I don't like nurses with pets because I find that pets are left alone really long hours and they get just a little destructive. Yeah. Um, so I don't really do that, but I feel like the insurance people, you know, they, they're either having like a big water problem or they're having to gut a whole kitchen or maybe there was a fire and Mm -hmm. they're just so grateful to have a place. That's awesome. That you're taking good care of them. So yeah. I think that's that's a cool vibe to be a part of. 
Okay, that that's fair. I, I I was honestly was expecting the opposite, and I don't know why. Yeah. I have no reason. I just was expecting the opposite. Um, I love nurses too. I mean, what's great is that our tenant pool is like pretty stand up citizens. It's not like you're digging around at the bottom of the barrel, which happens yeah. sometimes in long term rentals. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. I mean, I've had long term rentals, and I I know exactly what you mean. It, it can be sometimes it's just not awesome. Um, yeah. Okay, so is we've talked about traveling nurses. We've talked about insurance. People who need homes need somewhere to live because their home was was compromised by something. Are, when it comes to midterm, are there any other classifications or demographics or people that you are, that are coming to stay, or are those two the the two main? Those are pretty main, but we have digital nomads now, so that's been a huge thing since COVID. Before COVID. It was about 7% of the U.S. workforce could work from anywhere. Mm -hmm. Since COVID, it's bumped up to over 40%. And so there's a huge amount of people that are saying, oh, cool, I'm going to go work from Denver for a couple months and then go to Austin and then go to Hawaii yeah. or whatever. Um, and they're they're loving that. Some people have foregone having a, a permanent home and they just hop around from B&B to B&B &B and do longer stays. Um, so yeah, th those are great tenants. And then also we have business travelers that come in to work at the local office. So it might be a Google or some kind of research center or something mm. else. Um, colleges get a lot of these types Yep. and those can be really awesome. You know, it could be three months or something like that. Lots of relocation people. They're going to come kind of like try before they find their house to buy, Yeah. which as a real estate agent, I've got a lot of clients that way. I'm really? able to put them in my property for a little while and then sell them a property. Okay. So that's kind of a, a cool middle ground for us too. That is cool. You mentioned that you have these these midterm rentals in four different states. Why why do you have them spread out? Was that just like it just weird? Yeah. It just happened that way or that was strategic? No, uh, it's investing ADD over time. Uh. <laughs> I think, you know, I live in Colorado, so naturally I have a couple here. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I live in Boulder. And so 90 minutes down the road is Colorado Springs. And a few years back, I heard, wow, you know, Colorado Springs is undervalued. And mm. I went and bought a place. You know, it's just kind of like you hear about something and you do it. I've bought a lot out of state because our, our market's really expensive. Mm -hmm. And so when I was first getting started, I hit up St. Louis and I got four places there. So, you know, it just really depends on uh, what strategy and where you are in your investing horizon. Got it. So how do you, if you don't mind my asking, because uh, you told me beforehand, I, I could ask you anything. It just hits my brain yeah. that to ask you. You were like, ah, I bought one here and then I went to this state, bought four. How are you financing these? Are you doing some tr traditional financing, some part private money, your own money? How do you do this? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I've been in this a while. So this is kind of like you buy one a year, buy one every two years, yep. and then they just stack up after a while. So I'm, I'm fortunate in that. But when I got started, my first six properties that I bought, I bought without a mortgage because I couldn't get one. Yeah. I just didn't qualify at the time. Yep. Um, because at the beginning, Airbnb income was not income. It was just not recognized by lenders. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I had to get creative. And so I've, I've worked with getting a private loan from asking for one from a friend who was an investor. Mm -hmm. I did that twice. I did kind of like a HELOC version with him as well. Okay. Um, I partnered up with a few people, some who had cash, some people who could get a mortgage when I couldn't. And so they were more like the silent partner. Gotcha. So yeah, I've done a lot of different things. And um, I think partnerships can be great. They can just get you going faster. Got it. 
that makes sense. Total sense. Um, I, I want to go back to something. It just occurred to me when you were mentioning that you basically, when when someone uh, like an insurance company calls you and says, you know, we want to we want to rent this house for, I, do they normally have a term like six months, three months, or something standard with insurance companies, or is it always different? Uh, no, they they estimate based on what they think it's going to take. Okay, well, let's just so, say they they yeah. say we need it for six months. Um, and you said you look at the short term rents and then that's you apply that. But there's depending on where you have rentals, short term rentals, there's peak seasons, right? There could be just like crazy high for a couple of months and then a little lower in the maybe winter months. How do you yeah. how do you just look at the six months that they are asking about and just go to the median, go to the highest, average it out? What do you do? How do you figure that? It's a great question. The way I've done it so far is I've just taken what it suspects that we'll make in a year and then just divide it by 12. And then I've got just what my monthly rate is going to be. But you're right. If I know that it's our high, high season, I might try for more money just because I know we could get it otherwise. And then just see how they say, you know, what they come back with. But right now we're really getting into the slow season. And so when that insurance contract came through, I was just stoked. I was like, this property literally could sit empty. So, yeah. you know, anything we could do. And <laughs> yeah. now we've got 2000 cash flow coming out for the month and maybe they'll extend. So I'm feeling pretty good about it. Got it. So if you don't mind, could you say maybe at a high level, I would have to get granular, but let's just say I have a house and I've been using it as short-term rental. Maybe it's not producing like I hoped it would. And I want to get into the medium-term rental game. And I want to start... I I'm, I have the ambition to go reach out to these insurance companies and create the relationships. How would one start that? Is there a central website? Is there some place you can start? How do you know how to even get a hold of them? Yeah. So you look on your area, just kind of on a map, and you can say, you know, what are the hospitals in my area? And then hospitals are rated by trauma level. So a level one or two hospital, they take in the most extreme cases, like Gray's Anatomy stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And then the smaller hospitals, as the numbers go up, they just, they can't really do as much. So those are not the ones that get as many travel nurses. Mm -hmm. So you want to be in either one or two, then be pretty close to it. So within they say 30 minutes, uh, you want to okay. be within that range to get there. And then you'd want that hospital to still have a certain amount of beds. And so probably 200 plus would be like a pretty solid option. Option, And all of this is online. So you can literally just put in the name, what's the trauma level, how many beds, it's all just there. Yeah. And then from there, you can call their HR department and say, hey, you know, who's handling placements? I'm the I'm offering housing in the area and I want to just kind of get connected. And so that's a great way to start. But you can also do it through Furnish Finder, like I said. So with Furnish Finder, it gives you a whole list of tenant leads, like anyone who has searched your area in a recent history. Mm -hmm. And so you can go in there and talk to them and just say, hey, you know, who's your recruiter and reach out to that person. Um, Yeah, so that can take a little bit of time. But while you're doing it, you're still getting your tenants from Furnace Finder. You're still doing Airbnb. So it's not like you have to sit vacant while you're doing this. Yeah. You can do it now. And you can even do it before you buy. So if you're like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about buying in this area. Let me call around and kind of see how much demand they have. Yeah. Um, and, and look at it that way. The last thing is that Furnish Finder has started adding a bunch of stats, which is helpful. So furnishfinder.com slash stats. It'll tell you how many people have searched your city and how many page views in the month. And you'd be surprised. There's places where like we're thinking about turning one of our long terms into a medium term. And I think they've done 
what, like a hundred thousand searches um, in the area. And there's like, I think there are like eight homes that are listed right now. So a hundred thousand searches for eight homes, you know, over a few months, it's seems like the competition is pretty like, it's going to be easy. You just go in there and yeah. And there's demand. So I think in general, there's a lot of demand and there's just not enough supply. Got it. And that's on the nurse side. What about the insurance side? I want to get yeah. into these insurance companies. How would I do that? That I am still learning about. Okay. So they have come to us a little bit accidentally. We've had them come through Airbnb. We've had them come through Furnish Finder as well. And so as, mm. as soon as you see those requests, you definitely try to get back to whoever the company is and the adjuster. Yeah. Don't talk to the person, yeah. you know, the guest. Just be like, well, I want to I want to talk to the company and just write the contract with them rather than either even having the guest because you don't want you're so much safer if a company is backing you, mm-hmm. right? Than a guest who might make some problems or destroy something. So you're seeing people coming through Airbnb that are the people whose homes got got destroyed or whatever. Like they're the ones yeah. reaching out. How do you know that they're an insurance guest? They'll tell you. Oh, okay. I mean, you just kind of ask them, well, you know, what's the purpose of your stay? What's happening? Mm, and okay. for us recently, um, the, how we got this one for the fire just just right now, um, they came through Airbnb and it was kind of a red flag because she was saying, you know, I need a place to stay, but it showed that her uh, residence was maybe like 20 minutes down the road. And Mm. I'm like, why? You know, what are you doing? (laughs) Right. And so then she told us. And so, you know, if I had... They need a grow house, okay? Would you just back off a little bit? They just need somewhere to grow. Somebody wants to throw a party. (laughs) I don't know. I always get a little skeptical of local bookings. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, that's very cool. So, in a perfect well, okay. Another thing that occurred to me, and you have you have short term rentals. It sounds like you mm-hmm. okay. So you have a short term rental. Let's just say it, as we're recording this, it's sort of like the end of October, um, and let's just say you you know you're going into the season where it's just not it's just not a heavy you know you're not getting a lot of bookings, but you have yeah. one you know like December fifth weekend, and then you have one January. 5th, first weekend and then really nothing else. And someone calls you and says, I want to rent this. I've got this insurance thing. We're going to pay you top dollar, blah, blah, blah. You must, well, I shouldn't say you must. I don't want to put that out there. But do you ever have bookings where it's like, oh, I could get this thing rented for six months at a premium during the slow time. But I've got these bookings that are here, these couple of bookings. Have you had that? So I don't open my calendar that far. That's how I keep that ah, from happening. Okay. Because I don't want that. And so um, I was actually just talking to someone recently and they said that their manager only opens it two weeks out. And so if it gets to a place where, oh, it's about to be, um, you know, open, then the, those two weeks are there and then they can place after that. So it gives them a little buffer to look for contracts just in case. Gotcha. But they're doing 70% or more in contracts and then the Airbnb is just the fill-in. Oh, okay. Just if there's a gap. I see. And so if you had a had a uh, strategy, if your model was was Airbnb all, all the way, and I'll do these like insurance things or whatever if I really get desperate, but I'm on I'm an Airbnb all in person. Would you open up your calendar beyond two weeks? It seems like you're missing out if you're just going to go straight short term rental. You would open it up farther out. I would assume you're you're not opening it up farther out because you're protecting for your the the midterm. Yeah. And so it really depends if short term is legal or not. So I have some units where it's not. And so I have to be really careful about how much I open out because I don't want someone to 
book something with a three-week gap that I won't be able to fill. Gotcha. So you do have to really think about your calendar management there for okay. sure. Okay. But there are some places where you can short-term rental and that's your primary strategy. Then you just need to know what your high season is. Mm-hmm. Like for sure, you're going to, if, you know, it depends where it's located, but most of the U.S. is summertime. That's their high season. And so you, you want to for sure have June and July and August, maybe even open ahead of time and open for a really high amount. Yeah. And that's going to be great because you're knowing like, I want to have, I'm going to have probably 98% occupied and it's going to be really high rates. So I don't want to have someone there for the month. Gotcha. But then, like you said, it's, you know, end of October right now, usually November to February is pretty quiet and you could get kind of messed up where you only have two weekends booked at all. That doesn't mm-hmm. even cover your mortgage. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's good to just plan ahead and and use them in a hybrid way too. Okay. And you've so you've got some rentals that are you're using as short term to fill in where it's not you're not really supposed to do short term, but you're doing mostly long or mid term. There is is that is that accurate? Well, it really depends on the place. No, I only do short term if I can legally short term. Okay. Um, yeah, there's some places where they are watching you. <laughs> so really? I don't mess with that. Yeah. Um, but it's great because a lot of these nurses um, are really flexible. So you can say, hey, you know, actually, we're open two days earlier. Would you like to just come out early and get to know the area before your contract starts? And so sometimes people will add a, add a day or take a day off, stay a little bit longer. So I try to just really minimize vacancy as much as possible. Okay, We do really well. Yeah. When it comes to the midterm, especially with the nurses specifically, I understand with the insurance how that how that can work. But with the nurses, are you putting the rates at like that 12-month average right on uh, Furnish Finder? Or is it less than that typically? So the way Furnish Finder works is it's a lead generation. So what happens on Airbnb is they can literally book it right there. Um, yeah. On Furnish Finder, they have to you. They either reach out to you or you reach out to them. But what you get is just a list of tenants. Okay. And so we have a template, and then we just send that out. And depending on what our rate is for that time, we'll change the price. Okay. And so that's kind of how we do it. Yeah. What do you What do you typically do if your rate If your rate is two thousand dollars a month for that time, are you telling them two thousand? You telling them fifteen hundred, or what do you Where do you put that in relationship? To yeah. Airbnb? So. For example, I have a condo, I have two one bedrooms in Boulder that I do 2500 normally. And mm-hmm. then I know that June I can get 3000 and July I can get 4000. And so I'm making sure that I'm charging more in those times or I'm only using Airbnb and I'm just not even bothering with nurses because they're going to be mad about that price. Yeah. But it's like, okay, that's like what we can get, you know? So it just depends. Got it. Okay. So the book is called 30 Day Stay. Uh, you have a podcast too called Invest Two Fi. That's a letter or the number two, I should say. Uh, the mm-hmm. podcast. You guys should go and check that out. Before we go though, is there anything that people should know about midterms that we haven't really talked about that's kind of important you don't want to leave out of the conversation? I think what's really cool about midterm is that you can try it before you fully go out and buy something. So, I mean, this is easiest for someone who has a spare bedroom or a basement or something like that. But you could even say, hey, we're going to go away for a month and and do a little digital nomading ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. You rent a place or you do a pet sit or you do just something else and you put your place out there and just see how you like it. 
right? Because yeah. you could go out and buy a place and spend a hundred grand and realize you don't like the strategy. Yeah. So I sure. like that it gives you a little bit of training wheels. Perfect. And there's one question that came uh, that occurred to me when you're doing the nurse thing. Is it typically one nurse or is it like a bunch of nurses that are that are renting a house? I know it depends probably on bedrooms, but you know a two or yeah. three bedroom house. Would you expect to have two or three nurses in there or just typically one? Sometimes it is two nurses, but usually what I see is like a nurse and a partner that can work from home or a nurse and a child. Um, Yeah, that's usually what I see. And then, you know, sometimes people have pets. So it just depends if you want to take that on or not. All right. Got it. All right. Well, listen, uh, Ziana, I really appreciate your time. It's super transparent. I asked you all the questions I could possibly think of uh, as oh, a completely like ignorant <laughs> person of midterm rentals, which I am. So I appreciate that. I appreciate your time and thank you for doing this. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, there you go. Ziana tells us exactly how to do this with midterm and not just short-term, right? Everyone knows what short-term rentals are. They're, like I said, they're the darling. They're, everyone's talking about them. I'm guilty. I'm getting into the short-term rental game. So I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying I wanted to have her on so that people understood there is a third option. There's long-term. Everyone knows about that, right? Leasing for a year or more at a time. There's short-term, just leasing it out for a couple of days or, you know, to a, to a, like being the hospitality person to it for a couple of days. And then there's the midterm where you're you're leasing it out for a month to six months to eight months, even a year sometimes on a midterm basis, less turnover, less cleaning, which is the real uh, issue with short term for a lot of people. And you can make, like you like she said, you can make just as much with midterm as you do a short term. And so it's definitely something I think you guys should be aware of if you're not already. Go and grab her book, uh, The 30 Day Stay. I'm going to go grab it myself. I want to know about this because I'm getting into the short term game, like I said, and I want to make sure I know all the options if the short term isn't producing the way I want it to produce with a certain house or in a certain area. So. Uh, Super excited to have Ziana on. She was a lot of fun and hope you guys enjoyed that too. Get out there and make it happen. We'll talk to you next time.